0: My name's Tamsin Westhorpe, and welcome to Fresh From The Pod. In this episode, I speak to the vibrant Ellen Mary, who is a well-known horticultural broadcaster, passionate vegan, and grow-your-own enthusiast. Now, she's spending the lockdown in the States and has temporarily swapped her beloved UK allotment for a very windy, top-floor balcony in North Carolina. Find out how she's still growing her own, and I also discover her route into horticulture and why she believes that gardening is just the medicine that we all need right now. Right, Ellen Mary, you are my longest distant podcasting (laughs) friend. I have never spoken to anyone so far away. (laughs) Explain where you are and why you're there. Well, I am in North Carolina in a
1: lovely, lovely city called Charlotte, which is also known as the Queen City. It's actually named after a Queen Charlotte from England. So we have that link with England. Um, we actually moved out here earlier on in the year part time. So my husband, um, his work has moved him out to Charlotte, but we also have our amazing life and gardens and allotments and work in the UK. So we're, In Charlotte over the wintertime mainly, and then in Norfolk and all around and about England, kind of spring and summertime. But
0: uh, because of the flight restrictions at the moment, I've ended up here in Charlotte a little longer than anticipated. (laughs) You sent me an email this morning to say, can we delay the call? We've had a hurricane in our apartments flooded or water coming in and you're gardening on a balcony, which is totally different to your allotment in Norfolk. How, how are you coping with that? Oh my gosh. I miss my allotment
1: more than I could possibly tell you. Every day I'm looking on social media, everyone's, uh, you know, allotment plots and I'm feeling super, super jealous and excited for them, of course, that they're all there. Um, yeah, we did have, uh, sorry, cause you cut out a little bit then, Tamsin. So if you, um, if I'm answering your question back to front, that might be why. <laughs> We did have a hurricane last night Um, we had some severe storms and about five o'clock this morning um, it was just the sound was like nothing else I've ever heard before. It was absolutely incredible and the rain was just like sheet rain but it was hitting the side of our apartment which the doors to our balcony are and so I thought... I'm just going to have to check a little bit on some of the pots that I've left out there on the balcony. And uh, as I walked towards the door, I realized that my feet were in water. (laughs) So, yeah. Oh, no. (laughs) The lounge had uh, quite a substantial amount of water. But thankfully, because... We'd both got up, it was 5am, we moved everything, there's no damage as such, it was just a bit of a mopping up job this morning. Um, I had Because I knew that we were going to get really bad weather, I'd brought in a lot of the pots off the balcony into the lounge, I'd left some out there and brought some in, so everything's had a really lovely water, all the roots have been tickled and <laughs> they've got some very happy plants. <laughs> So how high up are you? How high is your balcony? Well, we're six floors up. So we're actually the highest, uh, that's as tall as this apartment block goes. Uh, so we're at the very top. And I think had we been, you know, on the fifth, fourth or third floor, it maybe wouldn't hit us quite as much. And uh, that's something that I've learned. So I've always gardened on a balcony. I had um, a home in Norwich and we had a balcony over the river. And so, Balcony gardening really do- like every balcony is different, just the same as every garden is different. And this balcony here is very exposed, so you get all of the wind, but also the weather here varies so much from hour to hour. It's like nothing else I've ever experienced. So one hour it's scorching hot and you're literally baking and then the next hour it's pouring with rain and really, really windy And actually, I think the plants are coping better than me.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's so, it sounds so extreme. Um, You'll laugh. Last night, my son and I decided we'd sleep in a tent in the garden. Mm And it was too windy for us. We lasted half an hour, but it's nothing compared to to what you're putting up with. Um, So what's happening with your allotment in Norfolk then? Is it just, you've just got to leave it, I take it? Well, I took, so we moved into Norfolk a couple
1: of years ago and I took on this new allotment, having given up my old one, which was uh, desperately sad, but I took on this lovely new urban plot and it was as most people do when they take on an allotment covered in weeds. And I kind of looked at it and just thought, what am I going to do here? I really actually just don't want to go through the process of pulling up all the weeds again, rotivating, da da da. And so I done the, I kind of looked up the no dig method and decided that. For the, probably two-thirds of the allotment, I was going to implement no-dig. So that involved just laying the cardboard, loads of mulch on top, um, letting nature do its thing. I had a really successful growing year last year. My cut flowers are not no-dig. I knew we were moving out here in January. So last November, December, I cleared the plot as best I could, gave it a really good mulch, had a proper good cleanup. Everything got done kind of months in advance. The greenhouse was scrubbed, the pots were scrubbed. You know, everything was left perfect. And I popped back to the UK early March thinking, what will I walk into? And it was still exactly the same as how I left it. And I thought, OK, this, there's something with this no dig. <laughs> this is helping. For yes. sure. <laughs> and um all the spring bowls are popping up. But then I had to get back to America. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to see my husband for quite a lot of months until lockdown was finished. So I have a few, my allotment neighbor, Mary, who is absolutely wonderful. So this is one of the reasons why I love allotments. The community is just fabulous. She is keeping a check on the seeds that I sown back in March. And looking after my sweet peas and all of that. Uh, A lovely girl called Georgie from uh, Rhino Greenhouses. She went down there the other day because she wanted to check out the rhino was okay. And uh, she'd done a live (laughs) Instagram um, from my plot. And showed me all the spring cards that were in bloom. And honestly, it, it was just so lovely to see. And still there were no weeds and everything looked really good. I almost can't believe it. I'm still expecting to return and it all have gone, you know, crazy. But at the moment, it's all looking very good. So, yes, I've had to leave it. But
0: thankfully, I think No Dig has helped it. Well, it's, it's a good experiment, isn't it? It couldn't be better. Um, now you are a social media queen, aren't you? <laughs> She's going to deny this, but just looking at your Twitter is you're very active in the horticultural world, but where did you come from? Where are your roots? How did you get into this industry? It's, you know, lots of people ask
1: me this question and it's actually, it's kind of hard and it's easy to answer if that makes any sense. So I have loved gardening forever since I was a child. My parents were into gardening. My uncle used to take me down his organic vegetable plot at the end of his, he had a really long garden and at the end he grew uh, all of his own vegetables organically and he used to send me down and to pick the caterpillars off the cabbages. And I can always remember that. And I've just, I've always loved gardening. And then when I uh left school the careers teacher asked me what I wanted to do and I said well I don't really know but I love plants and uh I love telling this story because I can I can remember it so well we were literally in kind of like a little broom cupboard and she flicked through a book and then she said to me okay well you could be a teacher or a nurse and I remember thinking, but I'm pretty sure I just really like plants. Thanks for that, yeah. Um So anyway, randomly, because I didn't <laughs> want to be a teacher or a nurse, and I didn't think there were careers in horticulture, I ended up working in HR, so I chose people over plants. <laughs> and um, whilst I was doing that, and it was an amazing career, and I met some many, many wonderful people and learned lots of skills, I was still gardening, so I took my RHS qualifications part-time whilst I was still working, and then I started to um, work in other people's gardens, locally in the village and so on and so forth and in order to spread the word about the services I was providing I started to use Facebook this was many 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 years ago and then I started Twitter for the same reason I think it was a few years later that I started Instagram and then all of a sudden I realized that there was this massive world out there of people that love plants it wasn't just me you know none of my friends really loved plants they didn't really talk about it so much And all of a sudden there's all these amazing people, all this incredible knowledge and inspiration out there. Um, of a whole world of plant lovers. And so I just became completely hooked on it then, I guess. And I got to, um, about 30 and I realized that life really is just too short to not be doing something that you're really passionate about. So I left my job and started gardening full time. And that's sort of where everything started, I guess. And then there was a local TV channel in Norfolk called
0: Mustard TV. Mustard after Coleman Oh, I heard about that. (laughs) Did you? Yeah, now, who set that up? Was it um, Archant Publishing? It was Archant. I think it was Archant. It was, yeah. yeah. Because I was working for Archant at the time, and it was the big thing. We've got Mustard TV. (laughs) (laughs) That's brilliant. What a small world, isn't it? So
1: that's really funny. So Mustard TV started up locally, and, I mean, it was such good fun. The guys who worked on there worked so, so hard. And um I was asked to go in and do a uh, some talk talk about gardening so I didn't. Tamsin I was so nervous my hands were sweaty I put a shirt on and I wish I hadn't put the shirt on because I think you could have been there yeah I was. I was just so nervous and um we went, I went on and done a piece about gardening and I was like oh hang on a minute this is quite good fun you know this is a way to spread you know my knowledge and love for gardening and so in the end over the course of a couple of years I ended up producing and presenting all the gardening content for Mustard TV and I guess that when you start brilliant things like that on social media all kind of kicks off from there and now my whole world basically is gardening
0: (laughs) it's fantastic and so you have buddied up with the wonderful mr plant geek michael perry haven't you who who sells on qvc and Was with Thompson and Morgan. How did that relationship begin? And back in, gosh, it was
1: probably four or five years ago now, I'd set, I set up a gardening club in Norwich called No Fear Gardening. And, um, some guys who I knew were coming to the, um, opening night and they said, oh, we're going to bring our pal Michael. We think you really love him. He's like a major plant geek as well. And he turned up and he walked into the room and we just immediately hit it off we were just chatting away all about plants and what we could do and like all these ideas and then a couple of weeks later I went down and visited him at uh, Jimmy's Farm where the Thompson and Morgan had their um, trials gardens and uh, we just had the best afternoon and ever since then we just we just like yes. off each other and he's like a brother to me and actually a few weeks ago he said that he said to me Ellen he said Ellen you're like the sister I never wanted <laughs>
0: are how lovely and so together you create a podcast called the plant-based podcast don't you yes and and who have you interviewed that has been like wow that was the best best interview we ever did
1: oh this is a really good question because like everybody who you chat to you learn something from and I'm always amazed at anybody who loves plants because as you know you're forever learning like you can't I, I honestly don't think anyone can call themselves an expert even Monty Dom because you're just always learning something new so I love everyone who we speak yes. to um, but I can tell you uh, one that probably stands out and it was in the last series and it was a lady called Emma Mitchell and um, Emma is known as um, Silver Pebble online and she suffers with uh, mental health and anxiety issues and depression. And we were talking and walking amongst nature and just watching her enthusiasm and her relaxing and her talking about how it helps her mentally and physically. Honestly, I went away from that interview thinking, you know, how, how special gardening and plants really are i mean i knew it already but sometimes when you connect with someone in that way it just really makes you feel something more it's like magical almost so i love meeting
0: people like that um this season we're actually interviewing chris packham right oh gosh so, so you haven't spoken to him yet so you're waiting waiting to speak to him but i i've been told that i've got to not fangirl too much and i've got to be calm <laughs> I don't know that. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> So, um, yes, so maybe, are you going to see him face-to-face? You Well, hope you don't know, I suppose, at this stage. Yeah,
1: at the moment, because of everything that's going on, we don't know if it will be face-to-face, but it is meant to be face-to-face and meant to be going to his home um, and meeting him and having a chat and doing the podcast, talking all about wildlife gardening and, um, you know, the projects that he's currently working on. So the idea of actually going to his home, he's literally a hero of mine. I'll admit this to you, but I was once on a... A train from London to Norwich, and he was sitting a few seats away from me. And I'd done the classic pretend I was taking a picture of something else, but really I was
0: taking a picture of it. Oh no, <laughs> that's so funny! <laughs> oh, I love it. Very bad behaviour. No. Now I watched the other night your live TV that you did, your streaming gardening show, the first ever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And I tell you what I mean, when was that done? It was a couple of years ago now, was it? Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. uh I think it was October
1: two thousand and oh, I went for seventeen or eighteen. I should know what year it was, but
0: yeah, I mean, I was just astounded at the energy. And that was not easy to do, I'm sure. So tell me how that came about and how you got that together. That was an interesting project. That I mean, that went through the gardening club, No Fear Gardening as well. So
1: Michael and I are constantly trying to look at ways to, you know get plants out there in the media you know the more people who see plants and gardening and can see how interesting it can be and if that means we have to do something fun and different and slightly embarrassing that's fine if that gets people into gardening and plants it's all for the greater good and we um, actually hooked up with Norwich City College they've got a media course and they were looking for a project to do for their first year media students and we said well we've got this idea how about doing a live stream gardening show and I think they thought we were absolutely crazy you know how on <laughs> earth could this poss- a could how how is it possible this could happen and b are the students really going to be that interested in gardening and plants this is going to sound like something really boring to them and so we kind of went in and almost pitched it to them and they absolutely loved it I mean those students done such an amazing job I couldn't be any more proud of them and they genuinely got all involved in plants they all had little plants on their desks they called themselves Cactus Media which has stayed ever since then just because so that's what it's called now so their, their media club is called Cactus Media and um yeah so we ended up in this awesome tv studio in norwich which was actually used to uh, record the trisha show if if any of the listeners remember oh how trisha. cool yes yeah <laughs> and some others as well excellent and um yeah it was it was a bit nerve-wracking but i think we were just so excited that the nerves kind of just came out in excitement and we 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 want to do fun things but we also want to be professional about it so I hope that it came across that way. So I hope that it came across as kind of energetic and fun, but also that we're kind of doing the job of getting the word about gardening and plants out there. But it was just such a good experience.
0: Oh, I thought it was very brave. I loved the fact there were so many young people engaging with it, which is just fantastic. And that's what you do. You know, you're the young, you know, a young face of gardening. So... Keep doing mad things. It's got to be done. <laughs> um, now, you have another project going on at the moment. You, I read your wonderful 30 moments in nature for well-being, um, which you've got this lovely list of 30 things that people should do. And I just thought some of them are right up my street, like get your socks off, <laughs> walk across the lawn bare feet. Um, and drawing in the garden and these are a few of the things that I've been doing um, you know while we've been in lockdown and it's obvious to me that you're really passionate about the well-being side of gardening so was it easy for you to come up with a list of 30 and which would be your you know your top suggestions
1: I think yes it was easy because I could probably write hundreds of ways of which that we could you know be connected better with the natural world um so yeah I do find it easy the well-being side of gardening I think is probably the most important part of what I try to do because I know it's helped me when I worked in HR it was so stressful and I used to go to the allotment in the evening time to kind of reset and be able to kind of go into work the next day and kind of handle the day after and so on and so forth and then I know how helpful it is and I've done a lot of research into like the scientific, you know, reasons behind it. And lots of people don't want to know the science behind it. They just want to feel it. And so the 30 moments of nature kind of came from that. And I actually wrote that before lockdown. So I wrote it it when it was already in line to be published in all of the regional newspapers in the whole of the UK for Easter weekend. Um and that, was before, oh, wow. and that was before lockdown happened. So that kind of happened at just about the right time. I didn't know any of this was going to be, you know, at the moment. But like a lot of people say to me, oh, I don't have time to garden or I don't really have time or I'm in the city, so I don't really see much nature. But I see nature everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's nature. There's a sky above you. You know, there's stars at night. It doesn't matter if you're in an urban environment or outside. So I just thought if I write this 30 Moments in Nature, that would hopefully give everybody an opportunity to read, even if it's not, even if you don't do all 30 of them, just a few of them, and just feel that connection from doing really, really simple things that aren't necessarily going to take you outside of your normal daily life. Of course, now we are outside of our normal daily life, so everyone can probably do all 30 of them. Um, I think that my favourite one is probably... Can I give you a couple of different examples for different people? (laughs) Because I'm going to... Oh, yes, please. Good idea. So I really think that for kids, because obviously we need to encourage kids to enjoy being outside and gardening is the turning over a stone in the garden because we often forget to look underneath things and there's so much going on underneath you know underneath the soil underneath sticks and wood and if you just lift a stone up in the garden you'll probably find spiders and bugs and millipedes and all kinds of things going on and that fascinates children but Actually, it, fasc- it, should- it fascinates us as well, because all of those little insects are doing lots of work. They're all busy going about their daily lives. And if you just stop and think about that for a moment, I think it puts a lot of things into perspective. So that's not just good for kids, but it's also good for anyone of any age. Um, and the other one, I actually done this the other night. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It wasn't gardening, but it is still nature, of course. And that was drawing dot to dot in the sky with the stars. That's one of the most therapeutic things, honestly, I've ever done. I sat on our balcony, I looked up into the sky, I couldn't work out any of the star constellations, and I literally tried to draw dot to dot with the stars just in my mind to see if you can
0: kind of make a shape from it. It's so therapeutic, I cannot tell you. <laughs> it was really good fun. Well, I might have to try that. I might have to try that if I end up camping again tonight. <laughs> be a project for me. So your your well-being um would you say that it's it must be so hard for you being on the sixth floor with a balcony have you suffered emotionally from living in that environment at the moment are you are you struggling or is it how are you coping uh, yeah
1: so i would say I am struggling with not being able to garden so much. So, yes, in that respect. But equally, I'm growing as much as I can on the balcony. So I think it's more to do with the fact I just really miss the allotment, basically. I just really miss it. Like, this is one of the best times of year. You know, the spring bells are popping up. The birds are about. You know, you're sowing loads of seeds. Usually the greenhouse is full by now. You know, so, yes, I miss that. But actually, I'm sowing and growing lots of edibles on the balcony and every little bit counts. So even if I'm out on the balcony just for an hour, sowing some seeds, maybe potting on, just getting my hands in some soil, you know, it's fine. That really, really helps. And I've learned myself, so practicing what i preach is to take it slow so sometimes i could be on the balcony and i might have had a a, you know like it's ups and downs at the moment isn't it one day i feel really good and the next day i'm like oh this is just horrendous but if i go out onto the balcony and just look at the seedlings growing or just look really closely at the petals i have this amazing rose called beautiful day and it's um kind of a very light orangey colour. And if you really look, if you really look at the petals, you can kind of see them shimmer and you look at the shapes and you can see them flutter in the breeze. And just stopping and focusing just kind of brings everything back into perspective and it really really calms you and it makes you feel really good so basically I'm practicing everything that I preach at the moment and it does really genuinely work so yes I'm okay but I'd rather be on the allotment
0: (laughs) and and I suppose what you are missing is the physicality of gardening isn't it I mean I'm out there digging away I'm shattered when I get in so I'm sleeping well that's what you're probably missing isn't it physical exercise of that kind the
1: physical side of it is just such a massive part of that whole kind of well-being and connection with gardening 100% so I hadn't slept very well last week at all and I said to my husband, I think it's just purely because I'm not active enough, I'm not outdoors enough, I am not, I can't get anywhere and I'm pretty sure that that is, is why and there's nothing more satisfying than after a hard day in the garden when you come home and you're a bit achy and you're really, really tired. Isn't that just the best feeling? I know people say to me, oh, you're mad, why would you want to feel like that? I was like, because it's the best thing ever and you sleep really, really well and your body's just like a little bit achy, you know, because you've been doing whatever and I love love that feeling so yeah i haven't had that for quite some time believe me i'm gonna go mad when i get back down the plot
0: (laughs) is your husband is he a keen gardener uh okay so no he's not but (laughs) uh,
1: he is not a keen gardener at all he will help me out if there's any kind of uh, heavy jobs i can't do on my own and i'd need a hand um but he loves houseplants Uh, I think that's a really kind of interesting way to get into gardening it's definitely a way that lots of people do get into enjoying plants and since we've been here he has actually missed having our garden or our allotment he's actually said it numerous times how he misses nature how he misses going into a garden and so sometimes it's when you take it away you realize that you really need it so I think there's hope for him yet.
0: Yeah no my husband is equally disinterested but He's been moaning about the size of our garden. It's too big. It's too much work. And now he's saying, oh, thank goodness we've got this garden, which is brilliant news for me. I'm like, yes, well, of course you need it. It's it's fantastic. So oh, it's always quite funny meeting somebody else who has a partner that isn't as passionate about gardening, because I'm sometimes quite jealous of those that have this sort of working partnership in the garden But maybe you and I have got it right that we can do what we like. So I don't expect he restricts or has a say in what you grow does he no not not at all I mean I do think about the kind of things that he would he enjoys
1: eating as well because obviously I'll cook him and you know he cooks too but we eat together so I think about that but otherwise no he has absolutely no say in anything that I do which is quite nice you know with regards to the garden <laughs> stuff. and um, actually my allotment neighbor it was really funny so my husband did come to the allotment with me I say did because it's happened probably only just a handful of times but he was with me one day and he was doing something and I didn't want him to do it and I obviously said it maybe more firmly than I maybe meant to. Like, <laughs> And my allotment neighbour at the end, he, my husband got in the car later to go and my allotment neighbour came over and she said, I have a feeling that you'd rather your husband wasn't here. And she turned around and her husband was there and she went,
0: I feel just the same. <laughs> Brilliant. That's so funny. When I got a cop, I came home the other day and my husband said, oh, I've done loads of gardening and he'd strimmed my perennials down to the ground. So, you know, he needs to stay out of the garden oh as well. Oh, is painful, isn't <laughs> it? I know. And, and I didn't want to sort of be negative. I just said, Oh, that's fantastic, darling. And inside I'm just. Dying. It's like, how could you? You are so good. I would <laughs> oh, never have been able you. to be so positive. I don't think I would have been able to hide the look on my face for a start, but <laughs> I, I rang my mother. I rang my mother straight away and she said, Oh no, that's so awful. I said, I know, I've got to get this out. I've got to I've got to get this frustration out. Fantastic. Oh dear so now you grow, I take it a lot of herbs because you have a plant based diet, don't you? You're you're a vegan. Am I right? Yes, I am. Yeah. I grow, yeah. yeah. Lots of herbs. So which which herbs would you do you heavily rely on for your for your diet? Well,
1: I think probably the staple herbs are the ones that everyone uses and that there's a reason for that is because we can grow them because when we can't grow them we can buy them in a the supermarket and they're all full of uh nutrition so that's parsley coriander basil which actually i really struggle to grow basil but it's growing really nicely here um which is really uh, is a bonus um i love orange thyme so that's a bit of a i don't actually really like thyme very much but i love the orange thyme and i also last year picked up a hot and spicy oregano and now I can't be without that. Ooh. It's really good. It goes in just about every kind of like, you know, chili curry kind of dish. So yeah, I do grow herbs. I try to grow them all year round. So if they're obviously, if they're not growing in the garden back in the UK, then I grow microgreens at home. So I have trays and trays of microgreens constantly on the go, pretty much all year. Um, if it's not when I'm in the UK, then it's here in the US. And of course, if there's um, like a time lapse, if you like, they only, you know, they only take like seven or so days to grow. So I've constantly got fresh food in one form or another, either here. It's quite amazing how much grows on the balcony, actually. And we're about six weeks ahead of the UK. Um, so if it's not here, it's back in the UK as well. So, yeah, there's lots of fresh fruit and vegetables and herbs. But it's actually really hard to completely be self sufficient in that way you need a lot more space you need a lot more time and um, so we're not a hundred percent self-sufficient by any means but we do incorporate as much as we
0: possibly can from homegrown uh fruit veg and herbs are you finding being in america that there's a very different style of gardening how how, how would you say our styles compare i mean is everybody turning to grow your own in such the way that we are i don't i don't think they're turning to grow your own As
1: much as in the UK, no. Um, I have seen and I have seen some more happening. Yes. But the gardening is so different here. And I mean, I can only really speak for the state that we're in and the city that we're in. For a start, there's no such thing as an allotment here in the US at all. So quite often I'm asked on social media, you know, what's an allotment? So from my American followers, they'll be what, you know, what is this concept of allotment? Because you just don't get those here. You have community gardens here, so you can go and, and garden with the community. And often those projects are, are to supply food um, for charities and such like, which is amazing. But there isn't such a big movement. I think gardening in the UK is lit- is intrinsic to our cu- It's in our culture, you know. It's not so much that I've seen here so far. So gardening here is mainly for the suburbs. It's mainly for people who have um kind of a nice rear garden and most gardens here also have lovely front gardens and one thing i have noticed which i love 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 is that you know there's a pathway outside a house and then you have the grass verge before the road many people will also garden on those grass verges so they're making use of every available green space which is awesome and some of those grass verges honestly are designed to perfection They are designed like Chelsea Flower Show garden designs.
0: (laughs) They are amazing. Absolutely amazing. Their style is more formal then and clipped than ours. Would you say that's fair? I think most of what I've seen
1: here is quite formal. I think it does depend on where you go. So some of the new housing estates is very formal and very clipped. It's very much about shrubs and trees and the, they everywhere has a huge big thick layer of mulch obviously because in the summertime it gets so so hot um but also some of the suburbs are surprisingly similar in many ways to English gardens so i do think there is a a link especially maybe here in charlotte with that link back to england and um, with english gardening and um springtime so i've seen bluebells and you know all the lovely hellebores are up and uh, azaleas and rhododendrons are plenty magnolias cornice and um, and actually very similar to english gardening and perhaps a little less formal in some places there's actually a garden here called Winghaven. it's one of my favorite gardens in the whole world and it's it's very surprisingly english so i think there's a bit of a cross the newer housing estates are very much clipped and formal But then if you go kind of deep around into the suburbs, you'll find some really beautiful examples of very informal and very slightly
0: English planting. So less rewilding than than we're doing and more sort of kempt and and smart. Um, But when it comes to buying plants, I mean, in the UK, you'll be pleased to hear that people are really doing their bit and they are buying from specialist small nurseries to keep them going. Is there... You know, are there so many specialist nurseries in in the US or is it more garden centre? Where are people buying their plants at the moment? From what I've seen so far,
1: it's mainly kind of the big garden centres. So there's some really huge big chains here that are, kind of have the monopoly, I guess, probably over the whole of the US. There are some smaller nurseries, um, but I find sometimes with those smaller nurseries, they're not even online. So they're just closed and I don't see any movement for people to try and support those nurseries. It might be that I'm not involved enough yet to find out, but I haven't seen anything. No, I don't think it seems as important. The other thing that we have in the UK is the RHS, and obviously they are—they're kind of like a hub, aren't they, for gardening? I don't see anything like that here in, yes. in the US at all. And so I don't see any. I—I st- I mean, people are still going often to the DIY store, like a B and Q, if you like, but here it's called Lowe's, um, to buy their plants. But then down the road, there's a lovely, lovely, wonderful independent nursery, which is closed, and there's no way of buying those plants. So I don't know. I, it is different to the UK. The UK and the community in horticulture in the UK is astounding, and I've never seen that anywhere else in the world that I've been. So we are extraordinarily lucky to have that.
0: I mean, it's very interesting to hear you say that. You know, you've seen two two sides of the coin, really. Um, but I think the movement to support the industry has just been quite incredible. And the number of sort of people that have started to follow gardeners on Instagram and started to read blogs and YouTube videos is just wonderful. And, and you know, they're young people, aren't they? Absolutely. And I think it's just there's
1: something about the gardening culture in the UK that's so special and when something bad happens like what's happened now you know everyone is really pulling together to try and support independent nurseries to get people involved in gardening to get them outside you know and I don't see that here and it might be that I've I have just simply not seen it. But then if I haven't seen it, people aren't shouting about it enough, <laughs> you know, because I'm obviously yeah. looking. They at haven't it. got you. <laughs> yes, clearly that's it. Only they have. I'm here right now. <laughs> no, but I don't think there is anything like that going on here. No. And I think that's a real shame. There are small independent, um, kind of house plant shops, that kind of thing that are online, generally run again by younger people. Um who are kind of pushing, but nothing like in the UK, you know, I mean, totally big up everyone who works in horticulture, who enjoys horticulture in any way, because what I've seen going on there is extraordinary compared to here.
0: Oh, well, that's good to know. Three cheers for, for us gardeners. Now, you're doing something rather wonderful. On your website, you're selling t-shirts with some of the money going to the NHS, I see. Yeah. So again,
1: like a few weeks few weeks before, I think at the end of February, early March, before this all kind of kicked off, I decided I was going to open just a t-shirt store to sell some t-shirts where we could shout about plants, growing your own food, kind of some well-being um, affirmations, if you like, sort of all in line with everything that I do. Um, there's some lovely T-shirts that promote um, trees and how important they are to us to be able to breathe and such like, and the pro- some of the profits of those T-shirts go to tree initiatives worldwide. And then when everything kicked off and I was reading, you know, our amazing NHS again, this is something else I've learned here in the US. The healthcare system is so um it's difficult to navigate it's more understandable now I'm here why there is so much poverty in the U.S. and it made me realize just how even more how amazing the NHS are in the UK and of course with everything going on now as well they needed our support and whilst no it isn't to do with gardening which my store is all about I figured if it was a way of helping that would be great so I just designed some t-shirts um that say you know thank you NHS or we love the NHS such like and a hundred percent of the profits will go to NHS staff charities, uh, just as a way of helping from afar I guess.
0: Oh, that's lovely, lovely thought. And they're they're great fun your T-shirts. I think the thing is with a T-shirt, it's a young piece of clothing, isn't it? And again, what I think you're doing is bringing horticulture to a younger generation. What is your ultimate aim? Is there something that you think? Gosh, if only I could achieve that, that would be the icing on the cake what what's the what's the main aim? oh gosh i do you know i if every single person
1: in the whole world loved gardening, then that would be the icing on the cake, which means that I will probably never stop doing what I do because that's a lot to try and achieve um I you know I just don't ever like the aim is just to get people into gardening and if one person gets into gardening that's amazing if a million do that's amazing I just don't think I can ever stop do you know what I mean I just it's just getting people to enjoy plants
0: and I think what's so lovely now is we've got all these different voices haven't we in the gardening industry communicating horticulture in a very different way And I think years ago that didn't happen so much, but now through different ways of reaching people, different styles, we are getting to more people slowly, do you think? Definitely. And I hear so many people complain that something like, say, social
1: media isn't good or they've had bad experiences, but if it's used in the right way to communicate something that's a really important, useful, educational, inspirational message, then I think that it is absolutely amazing. And I do really genuinely believe, going back to what I was saying before, that it has opened the world up to, you know, gardening and plants. People who never even knew how important or amazing they were are now able to engage with other people and learn. And so I think that's really made a massive big difference. Obviously, we're talking more about plants and well-being and gardening in magazines, online, online. In all kinds of different media, obviously the gardening shows are incredible. Um, the one thing, dare I say it, is that I don't think we hit, we don't reach everybody or all audiences via normal TV anymore. So we have fabulous Gardener's World um, and another couple of shows, but they own their target audience is very different to the reality of gardeners out there and so there needs to be more and it needs to reach and target different people gardening is different for everybody and there isn't enough of it on tv that's that's my main i think bugbear with gardening in the media
0: i think i think you're right because if you look at um cookery You've got a hundred different shows, haven't you? You've got Nigella, Jamie, you've got people doing fish shows, you know, quick quick fix recipe shows. All levels of cookery is covered on TV, but we expect one gardening show once a week to cover all types of horticulture and to satisfy everybody, and that's just not possible. I mean, they do an amazing job. But it really isn't possible to to fulfill everyone's needs in in that time, surely. That's completely right. They do a fabulous job, you know, and and the majority
1: of us watch it and, and enjoy it. But there's more, there's more people, there's more ways of gardening there's a different target audience now that need catering for um it can't all be done on social media it needs to be on all media and you're absolutely right what you were saying about kind of cooking i mean cooking's on every day in one way or another we cook Because we have to eat to survive, but without the plants, we wouldn't be cooking in order to eat to survive. (laughs) So we need to remember where that food is coming from and, you know, help people to understand and get involved in that part of the process of cooking, eating and surviving as well. And, you know, having just the one TV program once a week isn't enough. Um, so I think the media really have to go some way in, in order to reach future generations coming into gardening.
0: Yeah, well said. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me on Fresh From The Pod. And um, I'm thinking of you and I should be watching your Twitter as you manage your balcony and all the extreme weathers you're facing. Um, and I hope I hope that you will be back on your allotment very soon. So keep spreading the word of horticulture and maybe the Americans will discover you're there and they won't want to let you go. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. I went on to local TV here. So uh,
1: NBC Channel in uh, Charlotte. I went on to the uh, TV station. And they said, what can we do that's really simple? And I'd done a whole piece about microgreens because I'd only been here about a week or so. And I didn't have anything else. And I didn't know where to go to get any supplies. So I took all of my microgreens in and they were absolutely blown away. Like you can just grow little seeds and then eat them and i was like yeah this is amazing so i hope to do more stuff here when i am here but um i'd really like to in the meantime get back
0: down the plot (laughs) it's fantastic thank you very much During the lockdown, I've been thinking a lot about people that are restricted to growing in an apartment, growing on a windowsill or just a doorstep. And my conversation with Ellen Mary has really enlightened me that it is more than possible. It is more than possible to garden in a tight space. She's growing edibles and herbs and loving it and getting so much pleasure from it. So I hope she's encouraged you to carry on gardening whatever size plots you have, and the rewards will be simply unmeasurable. Until next time, happy gardening. Fresh from the Pod is presented by me, Tamsin Westhorpe, and produced by Candide in their plant-filled Bristol office. Candide is a free plant and gardening app with a helpful community of plant lovers. Interesting articles and great tools like plant identification and garden tours. Ask a question in the app with the hashtag freshfromthepod and I'll choose my favourite to answer later in the series. And if you enjoyed Fresh From The Pod, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, share it on Reddit and talk about it with your friends. And don't forget to subscribe.